that's not a safe assumption. A lot of the time, stuff discussed at a QBR is just stuck with the leadership and the consultant and nobody else at the company might know that you know, these are the goals that we have in mind. So I think as consultants, we need to support our stakeholders in communicating that out better. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. I'm, I'm also really jealous of, of Randy's meatball calzone right now. I'm... <laughs> It's been a long, it's been a long morning and I'm, and I'm starving. (laughs) Well, I was about to say, I'm hoping we get some kind of alert from him halfway through this recording that it has arrived. (laughs) We sent, we sent Randy a, a, a calzone. Uh, We had some chit chat on um, our shared Slack channel Um, and and I said, oh, I'm super jealous that I can't even remember. He was talking about it. he's like, I'll, I'll get to uh, validating your your latest uh, analytics launch because we'd push some changes for them after I'm, I'm finished with these meatballs. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, I'm <laughs> craving a, a meatball calzone because there's a there's a independent uh, pizza shop down the street here in Lehigh that makes a fantastic calzone. And I get their their meatball and basil calzone and it is so delicious and so and so anyway i don't know how he got on it but he said but if you're buying i'm i'm eating so i reached out to jim i'm like dude let's send him a big calzone nice. <laughs> yep so, that's I, awesome so i got it from one of my favorite pizza places and then um i uh i ordered him the large so it's, awesome. it's like an 18 inch one oh so that is it's be huge oh man <laughs> and then we have our call with him yeah, a little bit later do. this we afternoon. So, up, so, yeah, that's hilarious. Hopefully, he enjoys that. My I don't know what I would do with horrible. eighteen inches of calzone. That's oh, that, that, that's um, lunch for the next four days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Look at my hair here. I'm realizing I'm due for a haircut. My horns are coming in. I had. Um, I haven't. I, I'm not, I'm not going to tell Jim because he's going to like, do you ever shower? No, we talked about it on the call. <laughs> we already talked about it. <laughs> it's been it's been a few days. Um, but Haley, Haley braided my hair. Oh, yeah. Um, I saw that. It was very pretty. It, my hair is just way too straight, so it only stays in for about a day. And then the braids fall mm-hmm. out. But after the braids, my hair is very kinky and has mm-hmm. body. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I love this. I wish my hair was like this all the time. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going as long as I can without washing it. So That's it just goes funny. back to the straight hair. I got a little kink and curl. Do you need to start hair. following the curly girl method? What's that? Uh, it's uh, like this this thing that... People do where you you shower regularly, but you don't shampoo your hair um, mm. as much. And the first like month, your hair is super greasy and gross, and then it adjusts and gets used to it, and it makes it so that your hair is whatever curl it has in it um, has more of a, a shot. I, I should do curly that. girl method. You can look it up. It's quite the thing. I, I I love my hair, but the one thing I wish I had more of was like body to my hair because I have a lot of it, but it's just so like straight and you can have some of my body then because my hair i yeah i mean i have to shave huge sections off or else it's just 
Maybe I should maybe I should also move to a more humid climate. Yeah, yeah. Though I mean even in Utah my hair. I, I have a There's lot of like hair. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I yeah. wish I had hair. Fair <laughs> you do. No, you have hair, right? Yeah. It's, it's still looking okay. Yeah, it, it's okay. It's but got the nice minute col- it's-, it's got a nice color. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd rather I'd rather go gray. Gotten, mine's gotten rather, long. Wow, yours has gotten long. Yeah, I mean the sides are still shaved, so you can't really tell. But um, but I have go. enough hair that I can completely shave my sides, and you would never and know. You wouldn't know. Hair is down. That's awesome. <laughs> So, Jim, you'd rather go gray but have a lot more of it. Yes. Yeah. Fair enough. It's just, it is super thin all right here. Mm. And the minute it starts to get long, it gets all curly up here and nothing back here. Mm. So it it becomes like obvious. Mm. And like, I I mean, I started to get self conscious about it. And and I don't want to be that guy that, you know, it comes across as oblivious to just how bad it looks from like, right, right. Yeah. Mm. We, We would tell you. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My wife would, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, how was, before we jump into it, I'm, I'm interested in how everyone's Halloween was this year, different circumstances. What was, what was your experiences? I could not be happier. Our neighborhood yeah. really delivered. Um, and that's, we've, so we just moved in June. And the whole time, like even when they were building the house, we were thinking Christmas and Halloween in this neighborhood is going to be awesome. Mm. And, and yeah, they, everybody did a good job of, um, like every house had a table out front in their driveway that had candy. So you could just walk up and take it. Didn't have to go knock on any doors didn't have to get close to people. And then a bunch of us just sat in the driveway, you know, a little further back and waved at, at folks as they went by. And, um, yeah, my kids have monstrous bowls full of candy now. And it was a wonderful dose of normalcy. Yeah. Nice. How about you, Jim? Uh, it was good. So we went up to my sister's house um, for, for the evening. Um, this is their second Halloween in, in their current house in the neighborhood. Like uh, We didn't go up there last year because I think Halloween was like on a Thursday or something like that. Um, so, but when last year they even started talking like, oh, it's on a Saturday. That's why we can come up. Everyone can kind of just hang out. We don't have to rush. And... Last year, like their neighborhood was super busy. It was definitely down this year, but still fun nonetheless. Mm. People did the same thing here, having like the table at the bottom of the driveway. You walk up, like they had stuff laid out. You can go up and grab it. So it was just fun to walk around. But like this year was like the 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 screaming crying Halloween because at first he didn't want to get into into the stroller. He just wanted to run into the street and so. But you know what? It was fun nonetheless. Um, Yeah. For Father's Day, Suzanne got me a little mini projector. So I took that up with us. So my brother-in-law got oh, the yeah. fire pit going after we got yeah. back from trick-or-treating. I put nice. movies on in the backyard and, you know, we just, you know, we like we put out a spread of food and we just ate and had fun. And yeah, it was like, it was just that feeling of normalcy. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. That's awesome. How did your projector work out? It actually worked really good. Like yeah. it's, if it were just a little bit darker back there, you would have really seen it. But I mean, it's the fun of just sitting outside in your backyard with, with a movie going, yeah, you know, I, I hooked up my phone to it and then had a Bluetooth speaker. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to having like movies out on our front, uh, front lawn and whatnot. Yeah, Very that fun. does sound nice. We've thought about We have a few friends that have done that, and it is really tempting. It's really hard to find projector stuff, though, right now, because mm-hmm. lots of people have that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Well, good. Yay. So what is our topic today? Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have a good segue. 
I, I was know, trying I to think of something we were talking. It, I, I'll I'll take the blame for it. No, no, no. Like it's just material. I got stumped. So <laughs> it was something. It was it came out of a conversation Jen and I had last week. Um, and so I thought this would be great. We haven't talked about this one yet. Um, so it's consultants versus versus contractors. Mm. So in in many organizations, those two terms in you know informal settings. You know, outside of like HR paperwork, you know, those two terms are used interchangeably. They're used synonymously. But yet there are major distinctions between those roles. Um, each comes with its own set of, of expectations and level of engagement and all of those details. So I wanted to dig into that today. Like, what are the major differences between a contractor and a consultant? Um, what does it mean to hire one versus the other? You know, what is expected when you bring on a consultant versus what do you what do you expect when you bring on a contractor? And, you know, why do we see in some organizations conflating the two terms often com- causing confusion as to what's expected? So I just unloaded a ton of questions. So let, let's just unpack, you know, start to unpack that with what are the major differences that the two of you see between those two types of roles? Well, I think there's the like the official a contractor usually is a 1099 brought in for a very specific project, like that type of thing. Um, But probably more broadly than that, I think as far as the type of things that a contractor does versus a consultant does, it's, I think it's a Venn diagram that there's, there's some overlap. Um, But a consultant uses, has more experience and expertise from around the industry. They're coming in to, to, uh, give guidance and their, their ideas and, um, really well consult, (laughs) um, rather than do the work. Oh no. Did we lose Jason? We did. So he'll be back. Okay. (laughs) Um, yeah. Whereas a contractor to me often is just somebody to help get the work done. Um, and I don't know, consultants often have to do a bit of that too, but Oh, welcome back. Sorry. My barrels are crashed. That was weird. (laughs) No, I I think you're you're exactly right there because I I see it you know very similarly. You you bring in a a contractor when you just need to get something done, Um, whether it's you just need some additional temporary bandwidth, so you don't want to go through the full you know full time hire. Uh, So you're you're just bringing someone in like that. Whereas you're bringing in a consultant to evaluate your organization or a portion of your organization or evaluate something about your organization and actually provide you guidance. You know, they're, they're not order takers. Whereas most times the contractor is, is okay, just sit here and, you know, you know, I'm going to be here, feed me work to do. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's right. And excuse me, I think you hit on a, a key term there. And, and, and before we dive into this any further, I think it's important to note that both of these roles are are critically important and it's not that one is more valuable than another or, or anything like that. I I think the value of this conversation is really forcing companies to think about what they're hiring and be really careful in their words and how they position, because that's where I think the breakdown and the lack of value gets generated is when you're thinking one thing and you buy something else or vice versa. Um, so really understanding the different roles and what you're trying to buy as an organization is critically important. 
for me and I and and the word you said, I can't remember the specific word that you said, Jim, but for me the way I think about it is that um a consultant is really coming in to change the client's condition. Um and, and I put a few tweets out about this uh I think last week. Uh, where they're really going to come in, understand what the problem is, and they're going to take a proactive approach into improving the current condition for, for the client. A contractor or subcontractor, on the other hand, um, typically performs work directly at the buyer's direction. So if, if you're hiring someone to kind of extend your, your um, execution and how much you can do, but you're creating all the JIRA tickets for them, you're scheduling all their meetings, you're giving them a list of like play-by-play here, the tasks you need to get done, that's a contractor relationship. Um, and, and to me, that's really the dividing line there. And again, both of those can be extremely valuable to companies. But to get the maximum value out of either one of those relationships, the client has to be extremely clear in what they're buying and make sure that they're managing the relationship accordingly. And I think, too, it's on the the agencies and the contractors to also be really clear um, because consulting, consulting agencies can make a lot of money off of doing contract work. A lot of staff augmentation jobs are just that. Um, and frankly, they, they probably get paid a little bit more than a contractor would for such work. Um, so a lot of it is how we present ourselves and um, making sure that we, we keep that end goal in mind of we're not just here to take orders, we're here to know what their goals are and to help them achieve those goals. And sometimes that does mean taking orders, um, but hopefully taking informed orders that we've helped <laughs> um, help make sure that we're on, on the best path possible based on all of our knowledge and experience from, from other things that we've done. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and I think, I think that happens for, for a couple of reasons. One, I, I, I think it just happens not for nefarious reasons, but just because um, a lot of agencies, um, especially early on, it's hard to really know who you are. And so it's just like, let's do a lot of stuff. And you don't really put a lot of thought process into, well, who are we and what what kind of services are we offering? And so it kind of has to figure itself out or, organically. But I, I agree, at some point, there needs to be clarity in, in what you're offering. And um, I think it's it's okay, not only okay, I think it's it's wise for agencies to have a clear understanding of this is who we are and this is who we aren't. Uh, and I think as as they as agencies age, they they tend to get there. Um, and some more proactive agencies kind of start out with that approach more more upfront. Um, the other side of it, I think, is is one of positioning to your point. Um, it can be very lucrative from a financial situation to be all things to everybody. Um, I think larger agencies are better positioned to do that. So if, if I'm a Deloitte or a Sapient, although I don't know yeah. that they really take advantage of it, just because mm-hmm. of the breadth of their bench, I think they're better capable of saying, okay, this part of our house is is contractor-based, this part of our house is more consultant-based and manage it accordingly. For smaller agencies, it's tougher. I think it's a lot tougher to, one, staff for that, um, but two, ask people to switch hats. Um, I think for us, it would be very challenging to say, okay, Jen, now you're a, con- you're a contractor. Because I don't know that any of us would be happy being a contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, so for smaller agencies, I think it's a lot harder. And I think it benefits a smaller agency to just go all in on one or the other. We're, we're contractors. 
you know, we, we, we like, we white label, we're, we're there at the, the kind of behest of our client or we're consultants and we're brought in to help drive the, the agenda. Um, it's, I think it's, it's not only okay, I think it's the winning path for small agencies to declare who they are in that sense. Agreed. Um, over the course of, um, your careers, because I, I think all of us have had the opportunity to work for, for multiple services companies. Um, I've had the opportunity to work client side, Jen and I have both worked vendor product side. Um, where have you seen, I guess, on one hand, relationships with a third party that have clearly set their goal with a client? Um, where have you seen that work really well? And then on the, the opposing side, whether you were on the vendor side, whether you were at an agency side, where have you seen that breakdown where there hasn't been clarity in roles and it's proved to be maybe disastrous as the worst case scenario or, you know, not getting the full value out of the relationship? Jim is thinking in deeply. <laughs> well, um, I want to say... The agency side of one company that I was working for, it was a, it was a platform company. Um, we used contractors from, from time to time just to help with the, the volume of work. Because at times the volume of work would dramatically ebb and flow. So it was very, very hard that when work picked up to, to bring in somebody new because just as quickly the work could could dry up. So we did use contractors and for the most part it, it, it worked out it worked out really well for for what I feel like both sides involved. It was a win for both. It it helped us be able to to manage the work coming in and adjust the size of the team very very quickly as, as things changed. And a lot of these folks were people that wanted to be independent contractors. They wanted to be freelancers. So they could come in, they could do a job and, you know, the job may last three to four months. Um, and then when, when things, um, were done, they, they would move on to, to another one. But I've also seen a lot of places where a contractor, like you can't tell the difference between a full-time employee and a contractor, um, where I'll be like months into an engagement and find out that one of the main people mm -hmm. I'm working with is technically a contractor. I think um, I, I think I know that one. <laughs> well, it's happened a few times, though. Um, frankly, it it kind of gets under my skin a little bit that it's uh, it's a way of employing a full time person without giving them benefits and stuff. But um, yeah, so that adding that into the mix that sometimes a full time contractor can be filling the role of just a on site employee. Um, but and often it's a contract to hire situation where you be a good contractor and we'll eventually hire you and then you'll get your benefits and, and stuff. Um, but you don't see that with consultants. You know, the consult to hire would be a very weird model. Um, and to me, part of that is, uh, oh, wait, I'm trying to think if I'm just taking us a different direction, but that's, that's, no, 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 this, that's, that's the name. That's the name of the podcast. <laughs> um, part of it is to me, a consultant by by nature has multiple engagements um, that they're juggling. Hopefully not too many, you know, you want them to be able to, to focus and provide value. But I think there is so much experience and knowledge to be gained from not just having one example of a, of a situation to work with. For instance, this week, one of my clients had a problem with single page apps with Target. And then the next day it came up 
practically the exact same situation again. And I'm like, aha, I just learned how to solve this. Um, same with video tracking just came up where I'm like, aha. Um, and GA enhanced e-commerce stuff that it's the same across clients. So I do think that there's a lot of value that can be offered just for having somebody who has their, their fingers in multiple pies and can see what's working and not working elsewhere in the industry. And usually you don't get that as much with a contractor. For sure. And that, that came up on a call Jim and I were on this morning with, with a client that has multiple business units. There's, there's huge, huge value to that, especially if you're, you're thinking about the bigger picture. Um, and, and again, it oftentimes isn't what a contractor is being asked to do. They have a very specific job function. Um, but from a consultant perspective, that's one of the things that, that I know we pride ourselves immensely on is that we're going to try to take a look at the bigger picture and learn from other engagements. In fact, we hear that from our clients all the time. You know, we're bringing you on because, you know, yes, you're really good at what you do, but you also have this vast knowledge base of working with lots and lots of companies that have, have seen really complex things. And we're hoping you can bring that experience to us because that's invaluable. Like it would be very difficult for them to go out and hire all of the brain power into one or two positions that we can bring to an engagement or any consultant can, can bring to, to an engagement. So I think that's a, a great call out, Jen. Um, on, on the flip side, I'm wondering, uh, if, if either of you have any words of warning to maybe those that are running agencies as far as how to properly staff and, and position your employees, I'm, I'm thinking about a specific case. And again, my data here is fairly limited, but uh, Jen and I were at a um, an agency together previously to, to this, um, geez, almost a decade ago at this point. Um, it's crazy <laughs> to think yeah. about. Um, but one of the challenges that, that I believe we had there is um, we, we had amazing talent there, like very highly sought after talent that we had attracted to that company. And with that came the desire of these big companies we are working with that wanted that talent. And as, as we kind of talked about, as we queued up this conversation, that can be very lucrative to an agency from a financial standpoint. And, and we took that bet on multiple occasions with some big, big name brands where we, were, where we said, okay, consultant X, we know you're really experienced. People want you. Company Y wants you really bad. They're going to pay a premium. You're going to go be a contractor for company Y. And I think... 100% of those times it turned out very poorly for us that 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 employee became very unhappy, felt very disconnected and ultimately I think we ended up losing all of those those employees because as we've aged in our consulting career, I don't I don't think any of us wanted to be a contractor. Thoughts on right. that? Now, if I wanted to do the type of work that I'd expect contractors to do, then I would just go full on client side, you yeah. know. Um, though I suppose maybe there'd be more money in it if I still had the name of consultant, but, um, yeah, I don't know for me, I need the, the change and the learning and the, you know, observing in the industry and being a part of multiple things. I need that part of consulting. Um, and yeah, when I've done more full-time type engagements. <laughs> Heck, when I was at Adobe, I was 40 hours a week on one client. Um, and then there was one other client that I would not give up. Like they kept on trying to take it away from me 
so that I'd have like reasonable utilization rates. I'm like, no, this is where I still get to be a consultant. Um, and it's, and it's my thing and I'm helping drive the vision for this little company and, and don't you dare take it away from me. <laughs> um, I kept it for three and a half years. That was one of the hardest projects I've ever left too when I left Adobe. So, uh, yeah, I, I thrive on that. I really need, um, to first feel like I am driving vision somewhere, um, or at least an active participant in, in the vision. Um, yeah. And have a say in my own future. <laughs> That's a good call out Jim, from your perspective, and we're, I'm going to force you to kind of put the uh, time machine in place here because you, uh, you worked at both GSI, um, yes. and you were at Signal. I don't know. Was it called Signal at the time, or was it under a different uh, Signal? It was maybe a year after they rebranded from. Um, but, and and they also mm -hmm. had a, a strong services component. Um, from from either of those experiences, how was that set up? And did you see kind of what Jen and I have been talking about come into play, where you're maybe more seasoned consultants were being asked to position as more contractors, or was it more targeted type of engagements? It was a little in between both. Um, it, it wasn't completely consultant, but at least for, you know, if I look, think back to the GSI days, but it also wasn't contractor. So we, we, you know, we were a e-commerce plat platform vendor, and depending upon the services, the tools that the client bought, various teams were, were brought in to, to help manage it. So in many ways, like the, you know, your, your success was tied to the client's success. So in some ways you became very, very attached to, to the clients you work with. Where I sat within analytics at first, analytics was part of product and then they moved it over to the agency side. So for me, like I, I just kind of got ingratiated with, with certain clients. So they would want me on their projects. So in a way, I was still a contractor, but because of like the, the experience I brought and the analytics experience within the company at the time was so thin, I was kind of treated with that air of contractor. Or not, I'm sorry, not contractor, consultant. consultant. Like you have like this level of expertise that there, nobody else really in the company or outside of maybe three other people know. Because and that, that's where I was thinking, Jen, as you were talking, one of the things with being a consultant you kind of come in with this air of experience and in some ways a bit of a, a bit of authority where you can say like, Hey, based on my experience, based on what I've seen, I'm seeing the same thing with you and here's how we solve for it. Mm -hmm. And eight times out of 10, your client's going to listen to you because they're paying you to come in and tell you that stuff. You're not necessarily going to be doing that as, as a contractor. So yeah, that's why when I think back to those days, it was, it was a blend of the two. It was very much that, the client was paying for us to manage these things for them. And in many ways, it was just do what we need you to do here. But because of the experience, you know, me and like two other people brought as far as analytics, they treated us a bit differently. Um, and I, I remember back there was one client that there was actually a couple clients there that were often seen as problem children. But for some reason, I just won them over. I, I, I don't understand how. Um, I think maybe it was just, I was just honest with them. Um, there's two stories, but I'll tell one where this one, one point, this one guy calls me and he's like, Jim, don't bullshit me. 
You've never bullshit me in the past. You've never lied to me. So don't bullshit me here. This is what this other team is saying that needs to be done. And it's going to blow up our analytics. Tell me what I need to tell them back. <laughs> it, it, it was kind of one of those things. And he was basically the SEO team was telling him one thing. And, you know, they were saying, like, your analytics be damned. This is what you need to do. And he's like, are they telling the truth or are they just doing it to cut corners? Yeah. Yeah. So very, 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 like, just rambly kind of kind of story. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> that, that's my experience there. On the, the signal side of things, um, I was in, in pre-sales. So I hand a lot of stuff off to the consultants. But that was purely a, a consulting gig where, um, you know, as part of the initial contract, you know, you got so many consulting hours to help stand it up. And then a lot of clients bought additional consulting hours following. But, yeah, it was kind of like you were coming in as a consultant to guide them on how to actually build out the platform. Right. So you just triggered a, a thing for me where um, I think part of being a consultant is to is – who you're comfortable talking to and like who your target audiences are that I don't think you would often expect a contractor to be going up the chain, you know, towards the C-suite um, <laughs> to be talking about, you know, what should be happening. Um, but that is something that a consultant should be able to do. And their job is to help their main stakeholders look good <laughs> to those folks up the chain um, and to, to really help them put their, their vision forward for the whole rest of the company. So you help do that representation to the rest of the company. Um, and then on a tangent for myself, um, I keep thinking too about the, the idea of an expiration date sort of on, on consulting versus contracting that contracting, it feels like can be done indefinitely. Like if so long as there's work, you can keep doing it. Consulting's hard to keep fresh. Um, I think after two or three years, if you've done your job well, then you've already helped them put a lot of the, the original vision in place and make a lot of the necessary changes. And um, it's hard to start then redefining the vision and saying, okay, we helped you establish your COE and get your analytics practice really solid. The next step is using that data uh, to get more value out of optimization and personalization. And then they say, well, that's not really our team or that's not really the scope we had in mm -hmm. mind. Um, and so it starts becoming harder and harder to keep the original, like the, the scope and stakeholders of the original engagement, um, that and, and, uh, turnover can make things hard too, that you have yeah. new folks come in and if they don't understand the contractor versus consultant nature of things, that can make things tricky too. So I, I do think it's possible for a consultant to continue delivering value for years and years. It just gets tricky. Um, yeah. so to me, it feels like it's a two year mark thing that after two years, you have to make sure that you're you're keeping that precedent. You're not just there because you've been there and you know things and you have context. And, hey, can you now help be a hand on you know, hands on keyboard, um, but rather to continue driving vision and, and providing consultant level value you know, or you consultant triggered, type level you triggered so many thoughts in my head and I'm not <laughs> going to be able to keep them all together. Let me let me see if I can respond to a couple of them because I think you brought up some some really good points. I I, I agree. I, I think uh, it's important to set that that expectation and what that that path looks like. Um, 
I think we frame most of our engagements that our goal is to work ourselves out of a job. You know, as as a consultant, we're, we're not there to be a contractor on your, your staff. If, you know, we need to hire someone and we work with our clients to identify people and hire and bring them in, our, our goal is to ultimately work ourselves out of a job. In a lot of cases, that means it frees us up to do other things. Um, but to your point, Jen, sometimes there is a natural um, kind of ceiling based on what the teams that we're working with have um, authority over. So from an agency perspective, it's important to use that relationship to grow, I think, out to other teams within the organizations and make sure that you're you're kind of seeing that wider picture. Um, but I also think it's important to to be realistic when you've reached that ceiling or stopping point. Um, and as as painful as it may, may be in the moment, sometimes long term, it's best to just be realistic and say, look, we've exhausted what we can do with you. You're ready to take this on yourself. You know, you can fly out of the nest now. Um, and the reason why I think that's important from an agency perspective. So if anyone's listening that runs an agency or thinking about starting something up, the reason why I think that's important is because most people have very strong recency bias. And while in the early part of your engagement, you may have done some tremendous things and created a lot of value, if you let it string out too long because revenue, um, but you're not really doing a lot of great work for them, that's what they're going to remember. And and ultimately, um, at least for how we're set up, we're, we're so dependent on referrals and, and good words being said about us. We want our clients to remember the good thing and not squeeze too much out of it where we're not delivering value, but we're still collecting a paycheck. That's going to be in their mind. And so I think long term, it's best to say as painful as it is, we have to admit like we've got you where we said we were going to get you. And it's time for you to fly. Um, and and ultimately, in the end, I think that comes back to to reward you financially. It just may take longer to to get there. Um, and now I've already forgot all of the other thoughts I had in my head. Um, but the one other thing that you did trigger is if you're on the, the client side, it's really important to properly manage that relationship because we have worked with clients where we've gone in and said, it looks like you're paying agency X a lot of money a month. Is there any reason why you haven't started to bring that internally? And they've said things like, honestly, we don't even know. They have this proprietary method. They don't expose it to us. We have these processes they run every month and we have no idea and we can't turn it off because it's going to break one, two, and three. I'm like, that's not good for you, right? Like that's not good for your... I'm having such a hard time not like coughing out certain <laughs> agencies' names because yeah, there are a few that are very guilty of that. And it's, and it's a really big ones usually. Yeah. And it's a known part of their business model is Mm -hmm. that they, they create lock-in and for them. Yeah, it's great. They have, they've locked in their client um, to pay them because they're now dependent on making it happen. But from a company standpoint, I can't think of a worse position to be in where you become, you know, you, you're, you're fully dependent on them and you're at their mercy and, and it's really not a, a good thing to do. So I would say from a company perspective, whether you're looking to bring in consultants or contractors or anybody that's quote outside the organization, ultimately the knowledge and the processes that all needs to be internally. So if you're working with an agency that is purposefully keeping that from you, that's a major red flag um, and should be, should be avoided at all costs. Agreed. I had I had some other thoughts in there, but Jen brought up so many good points. I should have like scribbled them down, but I, I think those were the two big ones that she kind of triggered in my head. 
Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so to, to, to start wrapping it up, cause we, we, we've talked a lot of, you know, um, we, we've covered a lot of good points as far as like the differences between the two, the expectations, but, um, you know, as we start to wrap things up, you know, you know, I kind of kicked it off in saying like in certain situations in organizations, they conflate contractors and consultants, you know, uh, um, aside from just setting expectations, why do we see organizations do that? Why do they kind of think that, oh, you know, why do they think like consultants, okay, you're bringing in a consultant, but you're going to behave like a contractor, for example? I think sometimes it's a, it's hard to hand control over or to, I don't know, it's not necessarily a control thing, but um, if you have a consultant coming in, and they're trying to provide you the, the right value or the most value possible. They might be telling you like, oh, hey, this thing that you're currently doing, you might want to change up, which isn't always the most, uh, I don't know, <laughs> laid back thing to hear. <laughs> like if, if you're wanting to continue along with you, you feel like you've been doing everything good. And then a consultant comes in and says, well, based on what the rest of the industry is doing, we need to change it up. Sometimes that's less than welcome. Um and uh, I think sometimes it's just habit that you see a email address that's not your company name and you just think contractor. Um, I think sometimes it's also just necessity of, um, like, yeah, we would love the strategic stuff, but we're very shorthanded and we really just need someone to do this hand, you know, hands on the ground work for us for a little while. Yeah, and to that point, I think that's completely okay. I think um, just because you're you're playing the role of consultant doesn't mean you also can't and at times shouldn't get your hands yeah, dirty. Yeah, absolutely. I think in order to make that work, again, I think there needs to be a clear understanding between service provider and company of, of what they're buying and what they're getting. The breakdown I often see is where you've hired a consultant, but you treat them as a contractor. And I think that's what Jim was was kind of getting at. U ultimately, I think that ends poorly for, for both parties. And for anyone involved, I think it's important to have just open discussion around how that is is positioned. And, and really coming from a services perspective, it's important to work with your um your advocate on the the client side to make sure that that's clearly articulated through the organization. To your point, Jen, oftentimes as that conversation grows outside of the small group and they're like, oh, that's not our email address, that, that must be a contractor. We, you know, as a service provider, you really need to work proactively with your key stakeholders to make sure that that's properly positioned um, accordingly in, in organizations. And then again, as a buyer, if you're buying services, that's one of the things that I would strongly encourage and recommend. Again, clearly articulate what that role is. Is it a contractor or is it a consultant? And then make sure you're proactively communicating that not only with your media team, but more importantly with the broader team so that um, you're able to get the most out of that relationship because you properly position them. Well, and I think it's important that when when you do so, it's not just a matter of, oh, hey, Jen is a consultant. So, you know, she's here to provide strategy and stuff. But you you vision is such an important part of keeping an engagement valuable. And as soon as you run out of a of vision and goal, then that's when it's easier for a consultant to become a contractor or to be viewed as such. Um, and if that vision isn't uh, communicated to all the folks involved of, hey, they are helping us establish the processes that we are going to be using for our uh, analytic solution or optimization or whatever it is. Just um, 
keeping that top of mind, I guess, I think is really important. And so we have our, our 33-6 framework that part of the goal of it is to help us always have the end goal and the value that we're providing in mind so we don't lose sight of the the forest for looking at the trees. And you know that's something that we share with the clients so that we all know the work that we're doing today, even if it is contract style work of, you know, for the next week, I'm just going to be hands on keyboard for you. And, and uh, the vision's been defined and we, I'm just going to help you get it done now. Even if it is that, so long as you know that the goal of all of that is getting them to a point where they're getting more value out of their data in you know, clearly defined ways that have been articulated um, to the team and stuff that I think that makes a world of difference in not just the consultant versus contractor, but just getting value out of engagements as a consultant or as an yeah. employee or a organization hiring consultants. So as we wrap this up, I'm going to ask to, I'm going to ask the both of you to kind of put on two different hats and give your advice and recommendations. So number one, I want you to talk to the, the consultants um, that are, <laughs> oh, you're going nice. Um, thank you, Jim, for sending out cool hats. For those not seeing the video, I just grabbed my very, yeah, my 33 state sticks hat that I happen to have sitting behind me. Okay. So the first hat is I want you to talk to the consultants out there that are listening that it's happened to every single one of us. So I'm sure it's happened to every single one of them that you're hired as a consultant, but at some point in the journey, you're treated as a contractor. What advice would you give to properly manage that scenario so that you're best positioned to provide value. You're not creating an adversarial relationship with the team. It's, it's a very hard and tricky conversation. So that's number one. I want Jim and Jen both to respond. And then I ha I'm going to have you come back and think about it from another angle. Jim, you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. So my recommendation is to yell, scream, <laughs> rant, and rave. On the inside. <laughs> no, I... I on the inside, yes. No, I, I kid, I kid. I, I, I had to inject some humor there. Um, what I would say is like, yes, I think there's there's times that that's going to happen. And Jen, you, you pointed that out exactly. During your, your lifetime as a consultant, there's going to be times where you're going to be doing contractor style work. We've touched on the, this so many times before. Rapport with your key stakeholder is is critical. So you could have blunt, raw conversations where, Jen, to your point, where as part of the vision, yes, for the next week, two weeks, month, I am going to be cranking this stuff out. This is not normally what I do or what I would be doing, but in order for us to get where we need to go, I'm going to jump in and, and, and take care of this. Setting the expectation in, you know, before, and then as you start to wrap it up, you know, that rapport, you're able to pull your stakeholder back and say, yes, I did that, but let's get back to what the, what we originally set out to do with me coming on as a, as a consultant. The other time that, that, that this situation could come up is, is as, as people change, as new hires, hires come on, it's, you know, as new folks join the team and, you know, as, as people change, you know, or as the team changes, continuing to build that rapport with others. So they have the same expectations that you and your key stakeholder have set and trust your gut. If, you know, like a lot of times people will go into a state of fear and being scared of, say, losing an engagement, losing a contract, you know, losing, losing a client that they're like, well, this new person 
little, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little concerned, but I don't want to rock the boat too much. No, tr- trust your instinct. If you, if you feel that like you're there to be a consultant for a specific reason and that, that, that new person isn't, isn't valuing the engagement that way, go, go to your st- key stakeholder right away and, and have that conversation. Confirm what your expectations are, the stakeholders' expectations are, and this other person's. Yeah, agreed. And I think, uh, I do, I, I think it comes back to, I feel like I'm repeating what I had most recently said, but it, it comes back to that value thing and always having in mind, here is our current goal or set of goals. Um, and let's always make sure that any of the work that we do, whether it's super high level strategy or uh, deep down in the dirt, um, we, we have those goals in mind. And I think um, for me, it's hard uh, because I'm kind of a yes person. I, if, um, I like saying yes and doing things. So if you ask me to do down in the, the dirt work, then uh, especially if it's programming stuff and I enjoy programming stuff, I'll do it. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. So long as everybody knows we are doing this towards these goals. Um, and let's, let's never forget that. I, I like that. And I, I think I, that, that tends to be the overriding factor in all of our engagements is regardless if we're providing strategy, regardless if we're writing lines of JavaScript code or configuring or doing analysis that, it's, it's not a task. It's what are we doing this for to unlock some future exactly. potential? Uh, and I think that's really kind of the, the defining piece. Um, okay, so last question to each of you. I'm going to have you put on your business hat and be the, the buyer, um, which probably the bulk of our listeners are in a position that are either currently using um, outside uh, resources or potentially could in the future. What advice would you give to them as far as properly positioning the role of either the consultant or contractor, again, not only with their immediate team, but with the larger organization so that they can properly be in a position to uh, extract maximum value out of that relationship? Oh boy, that's, that's a loaded question. Um, (laughs) Because I think so much of it, it just has to do with the, the nature of leadership within an org, whether you have a consultant or not. Um, are you clearly communicating the, your goals? Um, are you reactive or proactive? Because a lot of the consultant value stuff is proactive where you are, like I said, driving vision and all of that um, versus just being a cost center or you know, turning around um, and responding to, to requests and things like that. So, I mean, hopefully whether you have a consultant or not, you are always trying to sell your vision and the value of, of what you are doing to the rest of your, your team and the rest of your company. Um, yeah. And I, I think, you know, if we have QBRs with the stakeholders and, and things like that, it's too easy to assume that that's, uh, you know, stuff discussed at a quarterly business review um, or planning sessions around strategy are, are going to be communicated out. And that that's not a safe assumption. A lot of the time, Stuff discussed at a QBR is just stuck with the leadership and the consultant and nobody else at the company might know that, you know, these are the goals that we have in mind. So I think as consultants, we need to support our stakeholders in communicating that out better. And as stakeholders, well, they just need to communicate that out better and and see it as as a necessary part of their role of driving that vision. Yeah, no, that's that's good feedback, Jim. I'll give you the final word, even though you're yeah, the moderator. Um, to, to, to Jen's point, just 
complete and clear communication, like no ambiguous terms. You know, when, when, if you're bringing in a consultant and their role is to help define strategy, you know, don't go in and say, well, they're, they're here to own X, Y, Z. Well, no, it's they're here to define the strategy and provide us guidance and direction on X, Y, Z. Um, because own creates such a gray area. Oh, okay, they're going to be executing on on that. No, it's and now I'm getting tongue tied. It, it's not, you know, that, that's what I'm saying. Like we're using those kind of words can can create like this ambiguousness that you know, next thing you know, you don't know what their actual role is. So, just to p- piggyback off of Jen, I, I don't have anything in additional to say to what she said. Is is with the communication, make sure it is extremely clear and the words are unambiguous. I just saw a big dog in the window. I saw it too. <laughs> <laughs> They're going for their walk. Uh, how's your dog doing, by the way? He's good. He uh, yeah. so he he was in a, a biking accident a few weeks ago, but um, he's mostly all healed now. Oh, it's good. hard for us because we're supposed to not be playing with him, uh, rowdy wise, yeah. and and that's very hard for the kids. But no, he's doing fine. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Well, this has been a good conversation. Um, good yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, like having Jen on. Yeah, it's fun. I like I like chatting with y'all. And heaven knows mm-hmm. I have opinions. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're here. Yes, agreed. That's why you're here. Awesome. All right. Cool. All right. Well, Thanks, thank everyone. you both much. And uh, we'll chat with everybody later. All right. See Great. You. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boot.